Welcome to What Compassion Accomplishes, a podcast dedicated to sharing information, ideas, and resources about domestic abuse and sexual assault. The topics discussed in this podcast, including survivor stories, supportive services, and domestic abuse or sexual violence, can be difficult, and we urge you to listen with care. Our hosts are not licensed counselors or mental health professionals. If you or someone you care about have experienced domestic, dating, or sexual violence, please call the WCA's 24-hour hotline at 208-343-7025 or the National Domestic Violence Hotline 1-800-799-7233. You can also find more resources in the description of this podcast. Well, welcome to another edition of What Compassion Accomplishes. I'm Corey Michaels, along with Chris Davis. And, you know, Chris, this is, I think, our first one where we have a repeat guest. Is it? I'm pretty sure. We talked a lot about having some of our great, awesome guests. I know. But is it really? First one where we've got, you are you're a star. Maya <laughs> Renee is a star. Well, That's exciting. When Maya was in here the first time, and one of the early episodes of What Compassion yeah. Accomplishes, and as I, I just you know we both Chris and I knew it's like okay we have to we can't possibly fit everything with Maya into that one episode, and we were talking you know about specific things, but this this article that um, Maya had written um, that this came out how long ago now? Gosh, I think, was it like a year ago? About a year I ago? It may have been. I'm not sure. Time is crazy right now. So. And, Time is crazy yes. with it, and I might have been in this, I don't even know. We'll find yeah. it. She wrote an article in our uh, Taking Flight newsletter, for our Taking Flight newsletter. It's on our blog as well. And I want to say, maybe it wasn't quite a year ago, I'm going to hope. Yeah. But it, you know, pandemic time is uh, so different than uh, transi- transient. We're just going to go with that. I it's know. Uh, uh, most days fluid. I, I have fluid. to check on what day of the week it is. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but it's it, a timeless article because it was so well written and wonderful. How's that? Yeah. yeah and wonderfully done. Not, thank you. not so much. It's like it's that good, bad news or that good, bad information because it was about uh, the impact of domestic violence on women of color. Um, which it was very well written and very timely, but um, you know it's it's a horrible subject to write about because it's it's horrible. I mean, domestic violence is what we talk about, but particularly when it's we're talking about communities where they're it's, um, they're disproportionately impacted, um, and there are so many barriers to them receiving help or asking for help or um, and this article you wrote was very, very well done. So we'll make sure that we do have a link to this article um, in the podcast, but you wrote this because, uh, well, it's important. um, And we ask you to, (laughs) but also I think it's near and dear to your heart. So, and and you're very well versed. So why don't you tell us a little bit about this article you wrote? Yeah. um, So it. I, and first, before I, I do speak on such heavy topics, I like to just share that this is my personal sp- perspective. It's not like right, wrong. It's just from my experiences. Like, I'm not like, you know, some social justice. Like, you know, <laughs> it, this is just a personal experience. Well, let's also say Maya is a client so. advocate. Uh, she is an employee of the WCA, but yes. also these are all... 
This is the What Compassion Accomplishes podcast where we talk yeah. a lot about our personal opinions. So this is yes. just a casual conversations about potentially heavy topics. So these are all this is a this is a personal this is a con- this is just a conversation. Well, and so, li- and like yes. we say every single episode we have to talk about these yeah. topics these yeah. but it is all it this is just our this is a conversation we're having and what i say is is my personal opinion that's that i'm representing if it if we do if we are talking about something specific we'll cite the sources and we'll make sure we have that in the in the episode description so i want to make sure that that is very so thank yeah. you for bringing that yeah, up so, absolutely yeah. okay and um i always say my my opinion and perspective is subject to change as i learn more you know right. because we always learn more and we, and we evolve. Deeper. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I've learned over the years. Um, so I started as a client advocate in Montana when I was 18 years old. And in Montana, we have a very large uh, indigenous population. Um, we have a couple of uh, reservations. Well, we have a lot of reservations in Montana. But I worked in a shelter there and I noticed that with our native population, there was so many that just they didn't come forward. They they always said that they would like suffer in silence, you know, um, when I would actually be able to connect. Um, there was a lot of issues with uh, just, you know, tribal laws versus, you know, because they're sovereign nations. So mm-hmm. it depended on jurisdictions, uh, political factors, if, you know, family members of an abuser of an abuser were, you know, higher ranked in certain departments. Um, and just being a small space, everybody knew where the safe house was, you know? Um, so there was just so many more factors that I saw with our women of color there versus, um, our Caucasian populations or those who were a little bit more privileged or financially stable, being able to get a hotel room for a week or go to a family member's home who was able to have them stay in their home for a week or had the room in their home, you know, that they owned rather than, you know, somebody who probably was renting and a landlord wouldn't allow, you know, somebody to stay at their uh-huh. house for a week or something. So there was stuff like that, uh, that I had seen. And, um, as an Afro Latina, um, I've also just, you know, from, uh, family experiences, um, and knowing that people who were in abusive situations were like, um, I still trust him more than I trust the police, you know, or I would, I would definitely not call the police in a, in a domestic dispute because I'm fearful for, you know, his life. So there is just uh, stuff like that, that I would see. And also just not even reaching out, for help at all. Um, I think even in the shelter, this is stuff that I have personally seen with our women of color or clients of color that they don't want to get counseling assistance or help because the way that we were raised was like, don't tell anybody your business because they're going to take your kids away or don't, you know, so you don't open up. There's just like that trust. And then also not being able to open up to somebody that looks like you or understands. It's like, do you really understand where I'm coming from? Because, I don't know, you're sitting there, you have a degree, you're like, you know, using these techniques on me and I'm like, you know, so um, I think that there's just a lot of different factors that I had seen over the years that when I had the opportunity to write about it, I just jumped on board. So that's where the article kind of, 
I loved it. I loved being able to write about it and connect with my team, you know, because it did prompt so many conversations. Well, now, what what brought you from Montana to to Idaho? My best friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she had moved here, uh, and her yeah, she her brother and her yeah, her brother and his wife. When before they or yeah, they got married, they moved here. They were going to BSU or something, and so she ended up here. And she's like, "Oh, you got to come here. You know, it's not too far, not too close from home." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Okay, you know." So I tried it, and I came. And the first thing I did was look for um, opportunities for domestic violence because that's just like what I knew. You know, it was domestic right. violence and sexual assault, and I was really lucky and happy to be able to find the WCA. And what? What differences have you seen here as opposed to working? Now, were you actually on res there? No, I wasn't. But you know what's wild is that there's far more diversity in Montana than there is here. Like, there's like, um, yeah, it's kind of wild. And I feel I'm really happy I work with such a receptive team because, like, when I first started at the shelter, we would have our clients come in who were women of color or, you know, say we have refugees or we, you know, there's certain diets that people need to adhere to certain religions certain we need, we've really worked to create an environment that our clients don't have to adapt to, but we adapt to our clients, you know? And so like um, our ladies of color who would come in and they would go to the resident store and there's no hair care products for them. You know, we have a super generous community here, but it's like, it's not, you don't know what you don't know, you know? So it's like they're donating, but like not anything that could be useful for our women of color, you know? And so it's just that putting it out there and being able to um, infuse our shelter with that inclusion that, Mm -hmm. you know, diversity, equity. I think you've done a really good and like putting on the wish list and putting it out there that that's what we need. Yeah. Um, but we don't, you don't know what you don't know. Like you say, like, how do we know to ask for that if we don't know that that's what we may need right. until we have somebody in there and we don't have it, right? right. So to be right. prepared, um, even just with the little things like that, I mm-hmm. mean, um, because, and people in the community don't know that those are the little things you try to do in a shelter to make people feel at home is have those full-size bottles of shampoo <sighs> and conditioner and body wash so that the it's the little things that... Um, try to make it feel a little more like home rather than the travel side well, things, yeah, yeah, yeah. but, but to, the, the things to help take care of them. Um, you know, I don't know that I get, the, I, I wouldn't know what, if I was going to have a house guest, mm-hmm. I would be, I would have to, I don't call you up yeah. or try to Google <laughs> it because, yeah. you know, it's, I, I grew up around here and there just wasn't a learning opportunity. It's not that right. I wouldn't want to. I just didn't have that. Well, like you said, Maya, what, you don't know what you don't right. know. And, you know, when people think about, yeah, okay, and I, I want to be able to give, so I'm going to go out and buy. But they're going to buy the same things that they would use right. themselves. Yeah. And, you know, and without thoughts of, uh, you know, of of anything else. But now it's obviously, and I think part of what we were talking about here, it's it's already so tough for for an individual that is in an abusive situation, physically, financially, emotionally, whatever the abuse is or all of the above. 
to ask for help and to reach out. And then, you know, and they're already feeling in this foreign environment and they're scared and they feel alone. And yeah, to have those little, little things that it's like, okay, here, here's something at least, you know, that, that makes me feel, feel as you were saying, Chris, at, at home. Um, but without those things, someone coming in there, it's like, see, I really am alone. Yeah. And even trying to find like employment or housing when you don't look your best or feel your best, like, you know, I mean, how, you know, how do you show up to an interview and you're not, you know, yourself or, you know, I think even on a larger scale, working with people who aren't familiar with, uh, how abuse has impacted your culture or your life, you know, and working with people who have racial anxieties, you know, Mm -hmm. one thing that I feel is that being raised in Montana, I'm actually probably more comfortable with a lot more white people than they are with me just because I've been around so many more than what they, you know, but you can feel racial anxiety with people sometimes, you know, like they're like, Oh, you know, and I'm like, Hey, how's it going? You know, it's it's all good. We're good. (laughs) But, um, and I, I think I actually didn't even realize such a huge difference until I had gone to college in Mississippi and I was around so many poor people that looked like me that I was like, I, I felt the difference in how Mm -hmm. I had been treated my whole life, which was really wild, you know? So, um, I think that those are things that can impact people when they're going in to find, like to get help. Like how are people going to be afraid to ask questions? Are they going to like, and like I said, I am so happy that I have such a receptive team because I've had to call them out on stuff. You know, they may say stuff like, um, well, I don't know. She's just, she, is she angry? Or, and I'm like, no, she's not angry. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and I have to tell them about the whole, like, you know, let's, let's talk about this a- angry black woman, like, you know, uh, you know, a stereotype. No, yeah. she's not, you know? So breaking stuff down and just like, and, and creating a, a space, you have to create a space where it's safe to talk, where people feel yes. it's safe. I want my coworkers to be able to come in and say, gosh, like I just, you know, can you help me out with this? Because I tell you what, I don't know where I would be if I didn't have my coworkers to talk to when I needed help or clarification on like understanding non-binary, you know, clients or, you know, because that's something that I wasn't as familiar, familiar with, you know, so understanding our privileges, but creating a, a safe space to discuss those and to find common ground and to talk. Yeah. I think that's huge. Um, I will say, cause I'm, you know what I was just saying earlier, you're listening to this, but you may not know that I'm a five foot tall Caucasian 47 year old woman who grew up in the country. (laughs) What does that tell you about my limited perspective on a lot of things? Grew up, you know, in a kind of a farming family. And I, I will acknowledge that I have a lot of privilege, but there are a lot of things I just didn't grow up understanding. It doesn't mean that I don't want to, right? It doesn't mean that I don't do my very best to try to learn and ask questions. But it also means that when I am met with somebody who, who gets upset with me because I don't understand, I, I am, I, you know what, I, I really, I'm doing my best yeah. to try to change. Um, but when I, you know, a lot of that is, a lot of things are very new to me. And um, I really appreciate when people allow me the grace right. to ask questions and to try to understand and change my 47-year-old perspective. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm, I got a lot of years of, 
learning to unlearn or, or changing my, yeah. or really to just try to change that perspective. And yeah. you know what? And I've grown up in Idaho. Right. Where things are as they've been for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, I'm not saying that's right or wrong or indifferent. It just is. Right. And I think that that's kind of a perspective that I try to come at is like very logical as far as like, I'm really huge on um, logical responses over emotional reactions. And so I feel like if somebody, if I, if I see a behavior or an interaction, um, I, and if I really want to connect with that person, I'm not going to say, Hey, you did the, you know, I just like, Hey, when you have the bandwidth, you know, I'd really like to, to chat with you, you know, just let me know when you're available, opening it up. You know, if, do I want to talk or do I really want this person to listen and to hear me? And that's been really huge in, in representing, you know, people of color. And I'll even say now, like those who are in just vulnerable populations and that's, you know, I I mean, everybody. So um, it's really being able to connect. And so that's something I feel like I've worked really hard on. Um, In my twenties, I was probably a little bit more loud and more like, you know, but then weren't was, we all yeah and, uh, <laughs> yeah and I was a little bit more aggressive and just kind of like you know but then I realized over time so box yeah I turned it like yeah everywhere I went it was a TED talk so <laughs> it, was, it really was it really so I feel like it's changed where like in my 20s I was just more like you know aggressive and loud and and then I feel like I've turned into being like over the years just more observant and then I turned into more strategic and then I turned into like, you know, what is, what is the mission here? You know, is to connect, to have understanding to, you know, and sometimes that does, that does mean dismantling, you know, systems or, you know, but you still have to connect in order to be able to do these things, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Communication is so huge. Communication and education. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and part of that evolution of perspective, you know, that we all hopefully go through, you know, it's when you, when you're not open to evolving your perspective about something where you just stagnate and you're not able to connect with anyone, but as you uh, evolve through that, it does allow you to be able to have that more communication Mm -hmm. with an individual that, that may be. 20 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago was, you know, a foreign to you. Right. Um, but we all need to learn and we all need to grow. And the more we do that, the more we can help each other in this world, you know, and in this case, people who are hurting people yeah. who have been harmed and, they're already scared. So when they're looking at you, like you said earlier, Maya, like, okay, it look at me and it's a, you know, old fat white guy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, I, I'm, I'm more than that. <laughs> and I am open to and wanting to be there for the person. But when they're already scared, they're already feeling alone. Now putting this face in front of them that is, you know, says they want to help. Yeah. But how can you possibly know and understand understand where I'm coming from? Or understanding like why they don't want to do certain things. Like being very trauma informed, that includes understanding and learning and educating the different cultures. And I think that we had, I mean, we've had 
clients in who um, were in very abusive situations. They were experiencing abuse in their jobs and uh, they were undocumented, you know, Mm -hmm. but like, so we've had client advocate advocates say like, well, why don't they just, well, that's the only position that they probably can have who's going to hire them. So they don't want to ruffle feathers there. They don't want to, you know, their children are here. They're, you know, and understanding the laws that like, well, they're cooperating with the police so they can be here right now. So, you know, and, and explaining it to the clients and, you know, understanding the fears, you know, because there's just so much there people, you know, uh, also language, language barriers and making sure that you hire staff that are diverse staff that have staff that have taken non-bias, you know, um, unconscious bias training, or, you know, um, there's just different approaches that you can take to make sure that you're connecting with these vulnerable populations. Um, beyond just color, even just religion. Too, it's more than color, it's religion and some yeah. of the ethnic challenges. Even here locally with our refugee population, you've got some really significant mm-hmm. um, issues with, not not issues, that challenges and barriers that they're facing, the young, the young girls and the young boys even. Um, years and years and years of ingrained culture um, of how they approach sexual assault and domestic violence within families and what is even considered acceptable and what happens if they do choose to come forward. And, you know, some of our, there's populations within, you know, coming from Afghanistan and the Congo. And um, we're talking within, you know, some of these young people and through our prevention program and the conversations we're having. And this is, this is hundreds of years of learned behavior and acceptance. And there are large communities here. And so how do you, how do you have those conversations? Mm-hmm. How do you how do you train your staff? How do you find the right staff? How do you learn to be trauma informed so that you can even just have conversations with families about how to start supporting yeah. young girls who may be experiencing sexual assault and and talking to the young men who might be doing it when they that's been accepted for hundreds of years, yeah. but now they're in the U.S. and it's not acceptable yeah. here. And so, understanding and and also understanding your your limitations and what you can do and respecting that because healing sometimes like I know when I was a new advocate I was like I've got all the tools here use my tools let's do these tools right now like I've got you know my role and how I feel about it too like (laughs) where's your own like take it but also like again (laughs) 47 year old white American woman and these are my own beliefs and this is my upbringing like take my tools yeah and my beliefs Mm-hmm. And by the way, I'm right, and this is right and wrong, and you, I'm, I'm going to tell you how to yeah. fix the situation. Healing's like on on their time, you know. Right. He, everybody yeah. should, heals at their own pace to process mm-hmm. things, and sometimes that can be really easy for people who don't connect to be like, "I'm giving you all the tools. Here are the tools, and you're not using them. Why aren't you using the tools?" Well, they're not cooperating with the program, you know. <laughs> right, and well, and the problem was they needed a saw, and you're handing them a hammer. Right. You know, just because you're giving them tools doesn't mean it's the tools they need. Amen. They need to pick up and use at that point in time. Obviously, not only is there a disproportionate number of, of uh, women, of individuals of color mm-hmm. um, that are experiencing abuse, I would also have to think, and based on, you know, uh, the things that you had to say, Maya, too, 
is there's also a disproportionate number that's not coming out. So Absolutely. the number is even higher than we know of yes. because there's even less that it's won't come across, out. Straight across the board. Straight, uh, uh, everything that has to do with domestic violence and sexual assault, the numbers are already shocking, but that is only what's reported. So be yeah. super shocked, please. Today, yes. we're recording this actually on National Coming Out Day and Indigenous yeah, People's yeah, Day. So mm-hmm. um, it's just pretty poetic, actually, that. that we're talking about this today. And, we're, and we know, we absolutely know, there's not even research, enough research done on either one of those friends yeah. to know accurately, even close to accurately, but they don't report. Yeah. They don't report. They don't trust. They're scared. But the numbers that we do have are just, I, I have goosebumps yeah. right now even thinking about it. Well, so the, um, they're horrifying. Yeah, and I had included a, a snippet of that in the um, article that I wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, about our black trans population mm-hmm. life expectancy is like 30. Yeah, like the, the homicide so. rates are horrifying. Yeah. Horrifying. Yeah. yeah. But again, it, it starts with compassion. Yeah. It starts with, you know, the conversation. Openness to learn. Having, mm-hmm. yeah, educating ourselves, evolving. You know, we keep saying that, you know, as individuals evolving to what our world is and not just staying in that that little country town that you grew up in or the big city that you grew up in and and knowing that there are all these different perspectives and individuals and feelings and, you know, and we can't possibly learn it all. Right. But we can do our best to just be inquisitive. What you don't know, ask questions. And I think that one thing that I will throw out Mm. there is that it is it's difficult because people can say, like, well, what do I do? Do I have to learn about, uh, you know, people of color? Do I need to learn, you know, do I need to learn about the African-American population? Do I need to learn about refugees? Do I need to learn about, um, you know, the indigenous people? Do I need to learn about, you know, and then it's like, wait, well, do I need to learn about ableism? Do I need to learn about, you know, like, and you can be, well, I have a family. I have to take my kids to childcare and they have, you know, or I have, you know, so all these things, but really, you don't have to like just be intentional in life. If you see a cultural event like the Juneteenth event, take your mm-hmm. family. You know, yeah. let your children experience different cultures. You know, you have the uh, the Soul Food Festival. Take your take your family. You know, mm-hmm. show show them these different cultures. Uh, I know the Chateau. They have a Persian New Year sometime. Take them out. You know, different things like that. That is exposing to as much culture as possible in a space where there's not as much. Any opportunity you get, yeah. that is what you can do, you know, so yeah. that you're infusing that culture still in your life. So I don't know. I mean, you can you can give back, you can donate, you can attend events. There's different things without feeling that heaviness of like, I want to help, but I don't know where to start. You know, yes. Just do one thing, you know, yeah. start with one thing. And that's that's how I truly believe we impact change mm-hmm. in our community. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to do it all because it can feel overwhelming and heavy. And we've we've gone pretty deep here. Um, and you know what? We're you can't you can't fix it all, but you can help create change by just starting doing one thing. I mean, listen to this podcast. If you're listening, you have started doing one thing and we appreciate it. Yeah. And we hope that you share this and 
If you haven't uh, listened to some of the previous episodes that we've had of what compassion accomplishes and share that with your friends, if one of them uh, really touches you in particular in your situation or someone that you love or care about, share that, you know, uh, with them and, you know, let's keep the conversations going. Hopefully our conversations here will allow you to be able to have these conversations with your kids, with, you know, your friends, with your family, whatever that happens to be. And again, it's, you know, we all work towards our own purpose here being obsolete. You know, we all want that place in our world where this isn't a conversation we have to have, but we're not there yet. And we're not close. Yeah. But hey, one step at a time, we can get there. I truly believe that. Yeah. One seed planted at a time. You know, we, we can make a change. We can make a difference in our community. I believe that. I appreciate you coming down today, Maya, again. If there's something else you want to talk about, uh, we'd love to have you back in. It's a, it's Anytime. delightful. Thank you. Yeah. It's just an open all. invitation. To- <laughs> Y'all are great. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. For the links to the the fabulous article that my wrote, uh, to any of the other information that we've discussed, that'll all be in the description here of the podcast. Check those things out. Share this with your friends, and we hope you join us for the next episode of What Compassion Accomplishes. Thank you for listening to this episode of What Compassion Accomplishes. Again, if you or someone you know has experienced domestic abuse, dating, or sexual violence, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233 or the WCA's 24-hour hotline 208-343-7025.